Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. So grab your board. We're going to swim out into that big sea of ideas and see if we can't catch one today here. Let's see if Matt Hines thinks there's big fish in the water today here. Well, the fish aren't just in the sea. If you're listening live today in the Seattle area, you might, like me, be building an ark. (laughs) Really? (laughs) We've had just, I mean, like, it's been a nice summer. It's been a dry summer. And now the heavens have opened and we're surfing in the street here, Paul. It's uh, crazy. Like dancing in the streets, the old Detroit Motown song, dancing in the streets. You're swimming. Yeah, no, it is. We are surfing, we are skidding, we are hydroplaning, but we're still selling. Today is the last Thursday of September, the last Thursday of Q3. We are are officially in fall. We are almost to Q4. We're in the home stretch of 2020, and many people will say, thank goodness, we are getting down to the home stretch. heavy emphasis on the word fish today here, officially. Okay, we're officially. That's right. It's very nice. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thanks so much for joining us. If you hear my children upstairs taking a break from school having lunch, part of the fun this year and if you're listening to us on the podcast thanks so much for downloading and subscribing you can catch all of our episodes of sales pipeline radio past present and future on salespipelineradio.com each week we are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in all of b2b today is absolutely no different featuring today nick runyon he's the cmo at pfl and nick thanks so much for joining us today great to be here thanks for having me now, is it fall yet in Livingston, Montana? Have you guys seen some change, or does it still feel like summertime? Oh, no, you nailed it. It is fall. It's about a six-day window, and I think we're on day four. And so it'll probably snow this weekend. <laughs> you know, really it seems like the, we, the transitions from seasons have been getting weirder for sure. I think I saw in Denver, like, it was 90 degrees one day and snowing the next and just getting odd. But um, I guess that just kind of is on brand for 2020. Speaking of 2020, talk a little bit about sort of PFL and the work you guys have been doing. Now, you came back and joined PFL a little less than a year ago, and we're only in the role for a couple of months before the you-know-what hit the fan again. Talk a little bit about what the beginning of this year was like for you, you know, being fairly new back in the leadership role and then facing some pretty significant headwinds. You know, I think in a lot of ways it presented some opportunities for us to make some moves. I think in an extreme environment your realities, the truths of your reality get much more stark and maybe more clear. And so some of those things that I'd identified early on and kind of put together a 100-day plan coming back into this role, it was an opportunity to just pull the trigger on that and do so rapidly. And I think there were the right decisions, you know, nine, ten months into it now, uh, into the role rather, you know, and looking back on the last, what is it, six, six and a half months of COVID, uh, I think that we've weathered this storm pretty well and we've helped a lot of our customers do the same in the process well i'll say like i think you guys have been a great story of resilience and success this year in relative fashion as with all of the rest of us as well and for those that don't know what pfl does maybe explain sort of what the business model is what your focus is as a go-to-market service and then sort of how that was uniquely challenged at the beginning of this pandemic as well so pfl is a marketing technology company we have a SaaS solution that coordinates tactile marketing, direct mail, dimensional mail, with your digital marketing efforts. So we integrate with your CRM or marketing automation platform to have a true multi-channel experience by that coordination, the orchestration of the physical and the digital. And we leverage 
a long history of printing expertise in order to have that entire vertical integration operating at peak capacity for all of our customers. And you know, one of the challenges I think you're alluding to is uh, when you're sending direct mail and automating direct mail as part of a digital marketing journey, and then everybody goes from the office to remote work and just scatters to the wind. That was a pretty big challenge for us and for our entire customer base. I mean, I'll tell you, my first reaction was to just hit the pause button. So for about uh, a week, 10 days, we didn't send anything because we needed to really quickly adjust and figure out where we were going to send it to. Well, and I, and I think that we've certainly seen some pullback on direct mail to business addresses, but I know you guys have found some pretty significant success and have some great success stories from clients in keeping direct mail alive and getting creative with getting it sort of coordinated and delivered to work from home addresses as well. Talk a little bit about what that transition was like and uh, what some examples of success that you've seen. So the transition really involved us doing kind of a full shift to a fully digital marketing effort in the first you know week or two. So internal in our own uh, marketing team, we began sequencing and emailing about 1,000 prospects in that time period. Just made kind of a rapid change. Uh, didn't really know what was coming, like a lot of people. And immediately we saw a decrease in our effectiveness. One of our main leading indicators that I'm looking for is meetings booked with our named accounts. So we're running an account-based marketing strategy. We know who we want to go target and go after. That meeting booked rate for our prospects dropped to 0.9% from something that was much higher before that. About two weeks later, we began using a mix of publicly available data, some consumer data resources, and we were able to match with a high degree of accuracy prospects first name, last name, city to what we would assume is a home address, um, but we would mm -hmm. message it as a preferred address. And so as part of our sequencing, uh, when we were doing outreach, we'd say, hey, I want to send you something um, to help explain kind of what we do and how we can help transform your business. Is this your preferred address? And we saw our meeting booked rate go from 0.9% to about 9.9% uh, immediately once we started doing that. The interesting thing was if people replied to that email and they said, yeah, that's my preferred address, I'm happy to talk, that meeting book rate went to over 20%, like 22%. So really in the early days of COVID, we, we were figuring out this is still a valuable channel, and it's very valuable when direct mail is coordinated with you know, the rest of your effort. And we were able to prove that out, and then we started putting that into product in order to, into a product rather, to roll it out to our customer base. So that's our preferred address capture methodology that we provide for all of our customers now. And, and others are seeing the same type of success, those high connect rates and creating that moment in time where their marketing messaging and that prospect journey can continue to move forward. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Nick Runyon. He's the CMO at PFL. And, you know, Nick, I've you know, had a number of questions from people over the last few months just asking, like, you know, hey, what is it like for marketers when they, you know, are forced to work in an all-digital marketing environment? And my first reaction is, like, this is not an all-digital marketing environment. The uh -huh. telephone still works. Believe it or not, direct mail still works. I love your example of getting a preferred address and seeing some pretty exponential increases. And, you know, I think, is there a difference 
in sort of getting that address when you have sort of a cold prospect that may not know you, is this better if it's integrated in with sort of a warmer sequence with a prospect that is known or that already has a relationship with your business? Is there a context in which that preferred address, work from home, direct mail, tactile integration can work better? Well, I think what we've seen is what you would expect, that the warmer the contact, the more relationship that you have there, the more impactful it is. And the more quickly that you can connect with a prospect and carry that conversation forward. You know, you mentioned telephone. I think it's important to remember, just kind of note there, that this is a multi-channel experience that we're talking about. You know, so I'm going to kind of draw a spotlight to the direct mail aspect of it because that's the part that we fulfill for some of the biggest brands in the world. However, it's integrated into a digital journey, and then we send a timely delivery notification, which allows a representative to make a phone call in that moment when that box or that package, that drug mail piece is in the hands of the prospect. And so you're right. It's not an all-digital environment. We, I don't think we exist that way. There's a blend between the online and offline. And I think in the blending of those channels is where true relationship gets established, which brings us back to that warmth of the contact idea that you mentioned. So uh, we see people that use tactile marketing automation as part of their marketing strategy to enter the conversation and kind of penetrate new accounts and uh, make connections with the right prospects, but we also see it used to continue a sales process to maybe expand an account and the greater depth of relationship that you have with an account or a set of contacts, the more impactful this is going to be because it's really not about kind of what's in the box or sending something. It's about using that moment to add value. And the more that you know about a prospect, the more you're able to hit that value target, really, and create an experience that you know is going to help them be more successful, which I think is really the point of marketing, right, is to to help communicate how your offering can help that brand win. I completely agree. Hey, want to take a quick break, pay some bills. We'll be right back more with Nick Runyon talking about tactile marketing, talking about building relationships and uh, the value of still leaning in on the non-digital world when we can. We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. CMOs and marketing leaders have the increasingly complex task of effectively communicating marketing's value to their CEO and board. And as today's markets face growing uncertainties, the need for clear, consistent, and predictable communication will only continue to grow. How do they do it? Read the new research report on marketing's role in the boardroom from Drift, G2, and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at drift.com alignment. That's drift, D-R-I-F-T dot com slash alignment. And once you do that, don't go anywhere, because Matt's back with his guest. Here we are. we got a few more minutes here with our guest today, Nick Runyon. He's the CMO at PFL. And I think I, I want to use, sort of, the, you know, just plug something we've been doing together as an example of, I think, a good multi-format, multi-channel, and integrated program, this uh, the CMO Book Club. Talk a little bit about sort of the, the CMO Book Club from your perspective, sort of the value of having that as a sort of a C- executive leadership or executive engagement tool, but then also a little bit of how we've used that as sort of like an online and offline experience. Yeah, and I'm going to throw a lot of credit for this your way because I, you know, I came into PFL and kind of did an, an assessment of like, what's on deck, what have we been doing that's working, you know, what do you guys want to do, and 
Jason on our team said, you know, Matt and I talked about this CMO book club idea. I still think that it has some merit. And I loved it from the minute I heard about it. So what it is, is we started with a pretty targeted list of CMOs that we knew, you know, between your network and mine, and just reached out and said, hey, we want to create a conversation that's incredibly valuable, that's pretty flat. You know, there's a lot of conversation across the community, but really it's a community that can engage and learn with one another around some of the most popular, most helpful business and marketing books. Uh, that are out there today. And uh, I think that invitation was really well received. We've got a great kind of core group that's put together. And what we do is uh, we've built a kit uh, with PFL, you know, using some of our creative collection materials. And we deliver a book and an invitation box to this CMO uh, group every other month. And then we read the book, or sometimes people don't read the book, but in either case, you're welcome to the conversation, and then we host a Zoom call with the author and anybody that can attend. And those have been some, some great conversations. I think it's added a lot of value. It's kind of a pitch-free zone. You know, the, the old here that uh, benefits the entire network. And and uh, what we're seeing is that a lot of people are, are hearing about that and asking to be involved and, and included. And so I was actually, just before we jumped on here, I was approving some other applicants to the CMO Book Club, connecting with them <laughs> on LinkedIn. So It's been a lot of fun. Have you enjoyed it as much as I have? I have. No, I've loved it. And I think, you know, it's it's been a great way to sort of in a no-pitch no pressure environment engage in an interesting conversation that it itself generates content and self generates value for I think everybody involved. It's always a huge validation when you've got participants in your marketing campaign inviting other people to be part of that marketing campaign. So I, I wanted to give a shout out of our own. I think the you know on your team, Chelsea Axline has really been doing the lion's share of the work on this and making this possible. So I'm sure Chelsea is listening live. Uh, so Chelsea, thank you very much for all the work you've done on this. And the other reason I wanted to bring this one up is because, I mean, this is not what I would consider a demand generation campaign. This is not an immediate pipeline builder. And yet you said like this has been an initiative that you've enjoyed, that you value. How do you put like a, a community building initiative like that into the context of your marketing strategy when I assume ultimately, you know, your boss and your board still need you to generate pipeline. How do you justify and then integrate that kind of a program? Well, I think this is going to resonate with some of your listeners. We did it because it's a great idea and it's the right thing. I mean, I think that the concept of a CMO book club really connects well with your brand and with my brand and partnering on this just to deliver that, that highly valuable engagement opportunity is the right thing to do. You know? And so, yes, there's cost to it, and we had some, some budget that's made available. But how I justify it, and now I'm sharing like, some of my secrets. This was a don't ask for permission kind of thing. Like, we rolled that out, and, and, but now absolutely I'm messaging it to the board and to our CEO yeah. saying, hey, we've been doing this, and it's going great, and this is the impact that we're seeing. And, uh, what we're hearing from the people that are involved and how they're inviting others into it. So, you know, I think if there's margin in a leader's uh, strategy and budget to do something like that, I would think creatively about how do you, uh, you know, how do you create those types of communities or those opportunities for your target market? And that's probably backwards. And in fact, it is backwards from how we would approach 
most things. Like we're coming into Q4, 2021 planning, you know, that's what everybody's doing right now. This is an effort that kind of fits into the gap for us. So, and it's been great. It's been a great experience. Well, I think a program like this, if done well, also has extensions. Like you can have sort of some VIP, you know, members that are getting, you know, the books and that, you know, are, you know, directly invited or have to get approved by you. But then if you do an author Q&A, you can certainly have that available to anybody. You could have a transcript or on demand of that author discussion available to a broader audience as well. So I think there's repurposing opportunities and a lot of this to sort of give it a little more leverage. But I think to your point, it does take a little bit of forethought, a little bit of vision to be able to say, listen, we're going to do the demand gen stuff. But if we're going to go close these big deals, we need to build relationships. We need to build relationships and credibility and trust with senior marketing leaders, and this is a way to do that. You also mentioned as we wrap up here, we've got a few more minutes with our guest today, Nick Runyon, the CMO of PFL, 2021 planning. So, you know, last Thursday of September, heading into Q4, people starting to think about next year. This might be one of the more difficult planning challenges for marketing leaders to figure out what is next year going to look like? What can we invest? What should we invest? What market are we going to see? What are some keys for you to be able to increase your confidence in the plan you put together? What are things you're looking at? What are things you're prioritizing? What are some of the ways that you're working through building your 2021 plan? It's incredibly difficult, as you alluded to. 2019 and everything before that, all the baselines feel really unstable. One of the things that we're looking for just or looking at rather just as a starting point is what were we able to do in 2020? And so we're looking at past efforts campaigns that showed lift and uh, positive impact, and we want to uh, you know, extend those further into the market. We're also looking for other opportunities based on some of the needs that have arisen since March. I've spent a lot of my time the last two weeks, at least a half a day, three days a week, just listening to customer phone calls. Uh, we use Gong here at PFL, which is a wonderful tool. I love it. I love some of the AI that they put in there that helps review subjects from the transcripts. And so I'm spending a lot of time understanding what are the challenges that our customers are facing, and then we are taking an approach to match solutions to those biggest problems. In terms of budget, what kind of metrics can be expected? Like I said, the baseline is kind of out the window, um, but we're using the current last two, three quarters uh, kind of as a foundation and then making estimates off of that. And of course, setting some stretch goals, which I think is possible. I think it's, uh, and I think it's valid in this environment. I think that uh, teams really need to consider where do we need to be at the end of 2021? You know, how can we, how can we take some ground? I think that we're aware that the tendency here is to be cautious and I wouldn't advise anybody to go out and spend a ton of money. I mean, cash is really important right now. But at the same time, if you're just standing still, you're actually losing ground in my view. So we're talking a lot about how do we build solutions that match our customers' known and stated problems in order to take some ground in the market this year. I, my well, advice to anybody um, is, if you're not you're using right. direct mail, you, know, you should. <laughs> i got to put that yeah, in. Yeah, well, I, I think there's certainly a big opportunity for companies, I think, to integrate direct mail, if not back into their programs, but in a, in a greater way. I think there's a lot of white space there. I think a lot of people are going to continue to work, you know, be working from home or working in a hybrid environment. 
And if everyone else is pulling back on it, it's clearly an opportunity for you to sort of backfill and sort of stand out and differentiate. And I would think your comments about, you know, planning and having a longer term view, it's not just nice, it's necessary right now. I think that, you know, we need to have leaders with some vision that are willing to take some bold steps to think about what their market needs and what how their business can serve those needs. And that's not just thinking about next week's emails. It's thinking a little broader about where the market is going to go and how we're going to bounce back. Speaking of this year and the headwinds we've faced, Nick, I, I think you know, a question we've been asking a lot of guests on Sales Pipeline Radio lately is just once things kind of shut down in March and just thinking over the last few months, what's something you have missed from the old world um, that you are looking forward to being able to do or enjoy again as we get back to some version of new normal? And then what's something you don't miss that was part of your old world that you are not looking forward to making part of your new normal moving forward? You know, I just mentioned listening to a lot of phone calls, and we're all doing the Zoom calls and everything. Uh, I miss sitting with customers. I miss being in their environment, walking the halls of their businesses, meeting. We always have those presentations and boardroom opportunities when you do a site visit. But I love the hallway conversation, kind of the rest of the team. You just get a feel for a place. Being in the the marketing technology space, working with those marketing teams, it tells, it communicates a lot to me about a company, their culture, their team, what their needs, what their wants are when I'm standing in the office in the middle of a team. I miss that a lot. One of the things I don't miss, oh, man. I think, I don't know. That one's hard. I, I, I've tried really hard to be optimistic about <laughs> our current reality, you know? I think a lot of things have shifted, some for the better. You know, I miss the quiet. I, you mentioned your kids having lunch upstairs. <laughs> On one hand, I really like having my kids around when I'm working. You know, there's opportunities for lunch. We've got a little bit of a longer breakfast, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Those are the good sides of it. The bad side is when you're on a call or when you just have to lock down, I really don't like having to, to close the door on my kid. Like you just have helping them understand like the work life separation uh, and the balance between those things. That's been, I think even there, there's been some good conversations that have come out of it, but I don't know. I don't like that separation. Sometimes it's easier when you just go to the office and come home at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think the things that I miss are the things that are sort of the opposite of those are the reasons why I feel like it's been sort of a blessing this year is being able to spend a little more time at home, being a little more time with the family not having, I mean, I don't, I've only got about a 20 minute commute to our office normally, but it's just not having those 40 minutes where I miss some of my podcasts that I don't have as much time for now. But I think being able to spend more of that time on intentional things I care about has been nice. But I think to your point, I also, I, I feel the same way you have. If we hear a version of, I miss people, <laughs> I miss being in front of people. I miss hanging out with people. I miss interacting with customers and colleagues and friends professionally and personally so we'll uh, we'll get back to that eventually but uh, in the meantime nick thanks so much for joining us today our guest nick runyon cmo of pfl you can check him out at pfl.com if you're interested in learning more about the cmo book club you can certainly email me or nick and we'll happy to tell you more about that but uh, we're about out of time for today on behalf of my great producer paul this is matt Hines. thanks for joining us on another episode of sales pipeline radio And with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio channel for at-work listeners like you. 